Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I was spending some time early last evening with a family member who just, he suffered so much and he doesn't feel, he doesn't feel God's love for him. He doesn't believe that God loves him. And I can talk till, you know, till I'm blue in the face and, and just lay out all of the, the scripture, you know, and all of the truth that's there in the word. And, but his feelings just overwhelm any kind of ability to believe that God loves him. And, you know, I, I have to believe that you've got a family member or somebody that you know that's like that, and they just they want to believe that God loves them, but they just don't. And it's just, it can be so exasperating, but it's really so sad mm-hmm. as well. And you just, I, you know, so often I wonder, you know, what, what can I do? I can't really do anything. And as I was driving home, I thought of this little story here in Matthew 2, When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And then he went on to heal this guy. But verse five, just, I was reminded of this last night. When Jesus saw the paralytic's faith? No. When Jesus saw their faith, his friend's faith, Mm -hmm. and it just was a reminder to me again that I need to have faith for my dear family member that he can't believe he's for whatever reason, he he just doesn't have the faith to believe that God loves him. And I know, I know his story and I know a lot of the, the reasons, but really when it comes right down to it, it just baffles me. And I was just encouraged to, to realize that, you know, my faith, my, my dad's faith, my sister's faith, my, my brother's faith, you know, all the people who care about him means something that makes a difference. And, you know, it, it, we just got to keep bringing him before Jesus in prayer and bringing him to Jesus and pointing him to Jesus. And so I hope that this is making sense, first of all. And if you have somebody in your life like that, man, I'd love to hear how you how you work with it because sometimes it just gets so exasperating. Mm-hmm. And so it's so hard and it's it's so painful when somebody in your family members suffer, when somebody in your family suffers so much, you know, your family suffers with that person. There's a couple of things that come to mind in regards to their faith, you know, just because I think there are times when it is hard and you feel like man, it's harder to believe, you know, it's harder to have faith that God can intervene. There are days when you're like, wow, is this ever going to change? And you, you, your faith doesn't feel as strong. And it makes me think of, you know, the the man that encountered Jesus who said, I do believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. You know, and then there are also passages that tell us that faith is a gift from God. So if you're lacking faith, we can ask him for more and he will give it to us. Yeah. Well, that, that makes me think of my family member who lacks the faith. Then another thing I can pray for him 
I think I've, I haven't exhausted all the prayers that I can mm-hmm. pray, but I've prayed a lot of the different prayers through the years. But just to ask God to give give him faith is is something that is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And give us faith, Lord, where we're praying for other people that we love. And we just have those moments where, yeah, we do believe, but, you know, help our unbelief. Yeah. Would you give us the gift of faith to continue to to pray, to continue to enter the throne room on their behalf? Yeah. And ask that you would come in a powerful way. Give us faith to believe that you love them, that you want them. Yeah. And it's not like God's waiting for us to pray the magic prayer. Like we haven't prayed the right prayer yet. And once we stumble onto it, he's going to be healed. You know, so if, if there's somebody, you know, close to you and they just, it's not like they're rebelling, they're rejecting God. They just, they don't believe God loves them. I'd love to hear from you and, and how you work with that. Cause, cause that's a reality in my life every mm-hmm. single day. Every single day, this this person in my life. Love them. 800-968-8930. 800-968-8930. So I'm not bragging, but I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you how it's been. Life has been really, really busy from one event to the next event, you know, just something every single day, commitments. And Saturday morning was the first time, and I don't remember how long, that I did not have any commitment. Like there was no place that I had to be or nothing that I had to do on Saturday. And it was so life-giving. So I wake up in the morning, I get my cup of coffee. I'm the first one up. Everybody's asleep in the house. And I go to my Jesus spot where I sit in the chair and spend some time with the Lord. And it was just so sweet. And so I'm doing my devotions. And it was about finding rest in God. You know, this invitation to live in the unforced rhythms of grace, which I love that language. That's Eugene Peterson. But it made me think, how much of my life is actually forced? How much feels forced? You know what I mean? Like I have to work out. I, I need to write that email. I, you know, I, I must complete that project. I have to do this. I should do that. I oughta. The crazy thing is I had this day wide open where none of that was there and I immediately wanted to fill it. I just started thinking about the things that I was, oh, I should clean out that boot room. Oh, I should, you know, I started going there when I didn't need to. And then God just like gently reminded me, this day is a gift for you, Shauna. The rest that I'm offering is a gift. I have to admit something. I got Christmas cards. I got Christmas cards, you know, from people last year. Yeah. And me and Teresa still haven't read them. (laughs) (laughs) Do you plan to? I hope so. Well, you kept them, so you must plan to. You know, there's letters in there. There's stuff that's happened in people's lives that that we're unaware of because we haven't read it. But that's how busy we have been. Yeah. You know, I think of, okay, I see those cards there and I think about what are the things I need to do? Those, those things still don't jump up to right. the priority the top <laughs> of the list. That makes sense. Oh. Yeah. And rest is God's plan for us. I mean, it's his goodness, not only that he allows us to rest, but he, he tells us to, he requires us to, and the world doesn't value rest the way that God does, but God's ways are higher than the world's. You know, the world's, if you're busy, then wow, you must be important because you have a lot going on. So you must be, you know, really valuable. And it used to be the opposite of that. It used to be the people who, you know, went on fancy vacations and had all this playtime, like, 
wow, they must, they're really living the dream. But now I think we kind of put up on a pedestal the people who are really busy, like, wow, everybody wants them. They're important. They have work to do. They're always busy all the time. For sure. And everything about today's culture says just go harder, go longer, put in more hours. I think we fear that if we let up at all, the whole world is just going to go lunging ahead while we're sleeping and we're never going to catch up again. So we just keep pushing. We keep testing our capacity and straining our relationships. But this is not God's way. God's ways are not like the world's ways. And he tells us there's a better way, a higher way. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus invites us. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love this invitation to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. Ah, it's just poetic, right? And, you know, the world may pass us by if we stop and we rest. You know, they may get ahead of us or what have you, but... We need to rest because that's where we find life and renewal and a resetting of our vision mm-hmm. and the realization that God is God. He's the creator. He's the redeemer and I'm not. And I, I can rest in him and I can I can rest in the reality that I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. And this scripture tells us it's not only an invitation to rest with God, but it's also an invitation to work with God. Did you catch that? He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So I think learning these unforced rhythms of grace starts with keeping company with God. You know, finding our rest in him and then putting into practice what he teaches us, which is the work that he has us do. All of it, the resting, the working, done together with God. Watching him and mimicking him and being like him. So I'm just curious, does life feel like it's forced for you right now? Are you stressed out? What is God saying to you about rest out of this conversation? And what can you do today to just draw near to God and find rest in him? January of 2020, before the world was changed forever, My bride and I were in the ancient city of Corinth, just ruins there now. And looming over that ancient city is the Acro-Corinth. It's a 1,900-foot mountain. And we started climbing it. And at one point I thought, I got to get to the top. Yeah, you did. I must get to the top. Why? Because you're competitive. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Competitive achiever. Achiever has been my identity, my worth, my way to gain applause, to earn try to earn God's love from as early as I can remember. God made me to achieve because I'm loved, not to get his love. So to move me there, he has changed my heart through failure. My teenage years were filled with big-time moral failures. Those failures and sins led to a deep sense of shame. And as an achiever, of course, I used achievement to try to cover up my shame. I used achievement to try to fill the emptiness, to try to heal my wounds, to try to fix myself. And that's Mm -hmm. been a pattern that I can fall into in my life right up to the present. When I feel shame, I've run to achievements to deal with it. And so God has wrestled with me. He's let me struggle with the shame and depression 
And he's kept on asking me, how's that working out for you, Perry? You know, using your, your achievement to fix yourself, to heal yourself and not well. I'm guessing there are times when it actually is working. I mean, if you're killing it, if you're doing well, you're probably feeling pretty satisfied <laughs> with your attempt to, you know, show that you are worthy. Yeah, yeah I think it's a Band-Aid, though. I think yeah. it's a temporary fix, and I think, you know, it doesn't it doesn't touch us deep, deep down where we really need to be healed. Mm-hmm. That's that's something, of course, only the Lord can do. But yeah, yeah, there's a like it's like a it's like a fix. It's like an addiction, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but then because we can't maintain that when we fail, then it's like a a harder, yeah, longer drop. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In the wrestling. I've been slowly letting go of the fear and the striving and the perfectionism that keeps me from being healed. In the wrestling, I've come to internalize that only Jesus can heal my shame. Mm -hmm. He was shamed on the cross because of my sins, because of your sins, to give us a place of honor in his family. In the wrestling, I've come to own the sins I'm so ashamed of and to trust that they've been taken care of at the cross. In the wrestling, I'm daring to live as a forgiven man and to define myself as one beloved by the Father. In the wrestling, I'm learning to achieve, to make Jesus famous, and to help others win, not to earn his love. So often I feel like I pray for and I ask for the miraculous. You know, I want God to move in a powerful way. And so I'm like, God, come and do what only you can do and just do it right now. Mm -hmm. You know, and I have the faith to believe and I know that God can do that. But there are, there are way more times in my life when I have prayed and asked God to intervene and it's been the wrestling. You know, I've had to do the wrestling. And I think, God, why don't you just come and just fix it, you know, so that the wrestling can stop. But in the wrestling, we're doing the work. We're getting, you know, God's allowing us to get stronger in the wrestling yeah. so that we become, you know, I don't know that if God just met all my needs and, you know, <laughs> Change my circumstances that are hard, like in a heartbeat, if I would have the strength for what that looks like in that, that place in time. Does that make sense? Well, the way I look at it is that in the wrestling, you're not getting stronger in a sense, you're getting weaker. You're realizing how weak you really are mm-hmm. and how unable you are to fix yourself. And that's when you come to the place of realizing, man, I can't do this. And when we are weak. Yep. Then we are then strong. Then we are strong. Yeah. So when I think about when I think about climbing a mountain, you know, here's where I'm at. Why climb a mountain to get my identity? I'm just going to try to enjoy the climb. If Jesus really did rise from the dead and he's alive right now, where is he? If you've been around the Bible sometime, you might say he's at the right hand of the Father. But that's not a place. And the Father doesn't literally have a right hand. The Father is spirit. It's a metaphor. It means that Jesus is king over all creation, that he's at the right hand of the Father. It means more than that, but it certainly doesn't mean less than he's king over all the creation. He hasn't been sitting in a chair for 2,000 years. (laughs) It's about the authority that he's been given. Yeah. Yeah. So where is Jesus? Brennan Manning, in his book, Abba's Child, says, the resurrection needs to be experienced as present risenness. 
<laughs> if our faith is alive, we will be alert to moments, events, and occasions when the resurrection breaks into real time. And in Abba's Child, Brennan shares a time when theologian Frederick Beekner experienced the present risenness of Jesus. And as you listen to this, think about experiences in your life that might be similar. Beekner says, I had a dream of a friend who had recently died, a very undreamlike dream where my friend was simply standing in the room. I said, nice to see you. I've missed you. And he said, yes, I know that. <laughs> and I said, are you really there? And he said, you bet I'm really here. I said, can you prove it? He said, of course, I can prove it. And he threw me a little bit of blue string, which I caught. It was so real that I woke up. Next morning, I shared the dream at breakfast with my wife and the widow of the man in the dream. My wife said, oh my gosh, I saw that blue string on the rug this morning and I knew it wasn't there last night. Mm -hmm. Beekner says, I ran upstairs and sure enough, there was this little squiggle of blue thread. Coincidence? He says, either that's nothing, just a coincidence, or else it's just a little glimpse of the fact that maybe when we talk about the resurrection of the body, there's something to it. I think that we think there's this great divide between spiritual and physical, you know, tangible things. And the veil between heaven and earth is much thinner than what we think it is. Yeah. And, you know, it could have been a coincidence, but I don't know. He's not trying to make the case for the resurrection. He's just saying, this is what happened to mm -hmm. me. And it's, it's inexplicable to me. I have a this is what is hap this is what happened to me story. Okay. I was feeling very insecure, shared with friends that I trusted what I was battling with with my self-esteem and they wanted to pray over me. And so it was our um worship leader at the times and his wife who were praying over me and we were in his office and we're standing there and we we're the three of us holding hands and he started to pray and and then I wasn't hearing what he was saying anymore. I just had an experience that was different. Um, I saw Jesus in front of me, inviting me to, with his hands extended, and he was inviting me to come to himself. And so I went to put my hand in his hand to take the invitation, and I saw my name written in the palm of his hand. And so I, you know, I, I took his invitation, and he kind of pulled me close, and I sat down on his lap. And he leaned over, and he kissed me on the forehead, on the left side of my forehead right here, and I felt the air shift mm -hmm. when, when he came in to kiss me on the forehead. I felt the air move like you do. And I felt the physical touch of being kissed on the forehead. And so at that moment, I startled and I went, <gasps> you know, and my friend who was praying for me stopped praying. And his wife, you know, they both opened up their eyes and were like, what happened? Are you okay? And I said... <laughs> Tom, did you just kiss me right now? <laughs> and he and his wife were looking at each other and he goes, no, I was praying for you. And I said, I just got kissed by Jesus. Like mm. I just felt the physical touch of being kissed on the forehead by Jesus. That's it right there. The present risenness of Jesus. It's those who are intimate with Jesus and even those who aren't. Jesus shows up. And so... The question to where is the risen Jesus right now, right here, right now, he's with you. So 
I am reading this book by Sherry Harney. It's so good. It's called Praying with Eyes Wide Open, and I highly recommend it. So good that I reached out to Sherry, and I was like, you need to come be on the show. And she's going to be in Michigan this month, so she's, we're going to have her out here in a few weeks, and she's going to be in the studio with us. Awesome. I'm pretty geeked about that. Yep. But one of the things that came up through this book as I'm reading is in the book of Acts, you know, we've got this beautiful picture of what the church looks like. And one of the practices that was just a normal part of how they did life together was that the believers prayed. They were a praying people. If somebody was sick, they prayed. If somebody was starting up something new, a new ministry or whatever, they prayed. They prayed together regularly. And it wasn't like they held a specific service to pray. They just did it as a part of being with one another in life, they prayed together. And so I have been challenged lately, I got to tell you, over the last several months, very specifically to pray for people who don't know Jesus. I feel like this should be like just a normal part of every believer's life. But I'm telling you, it was not on the forefront of my mind. It wasn't on my radar. I wasn't doing it. And God is good. He tends to you know, he'll he'll get my attention, tap me on the shoulder and give me a little something, something, but he's not afraid to repeat himself. So this is what it looked like for me. This this idea, the challenge first came from my audio devotions, which I listen to on my commute in. It's Lectio 365. It's a an app that's totally free and it's audio devotional that shares scripture and leads you into praying. And I was asked then pretty regularly through Lectio 365 every day to pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And so I started doing that. And then I was listening to this training video for a discipleship movement. And again, I was challenged you know, to, to carry with me a notebook and in it, the names of people that I would pray for regularly, people who don't know Jesus, that they would encounter Jesus. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm listening. That's second time. And then recently I was at an equipping time for leaders in our church and again was challenged, you know, given a piece of paper to write down the names of three people who don't know Jesus and to start regularly praying for them. And in this book that I'm reading, this it's Sherry Harney's Praying with Eyes Wide Open. She talks about um, a training that she was at that Lee Strobel did where he recommended the one 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 approach to praying for non-believers. Super simple. And here's how it works. You set an alarm for one o'clock every day. And at that time, you pray for one person who doesn't know Jesus for one minute. So it just so happened yesterday, I was at the party store at one o'clock when my alarm went off and I thought, what is that? I look at my watch and it was like, pray for a non-believer. And I was like, well, there you go. So ask Siri to give me one minute, set a one minute timer. And I started praying. So what do you pray for that minute? What do you pray? What kinds of things? I was praying a couple of different things. One, I was praying, Lord, bring people into my life like that don't know Jesus give me an awareness of people that are already in my life that aren't on my radar that I'm not praying for. So that was the first part of my prayer was just show me who to pray for, literally. And then the second part of my prayer is he brought someone to mind for me was, Lord, help me to genuinely love her and want to spend time with her and to be able to share life with her so that she can come to know you through me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, if you can actually build relationships too with the person you're praying with, that's even better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seeing this as a long haul, it's not like, oh man, I want to, you know, I want to pray for somebody on Tuesday and have them come to faith so I can move on to the next guy. It's just this investment relationally in people who aren't walking with Jesus. And then on the other hand, you know, like I really feel a passion to pray for people groups that don't Mm -hmm. have the gospel. And that's something that I do every single day. 
and I'm never going to meet these people, but I know I'm going to meet some of them in heaven. Someday. Yeah, you are. Because the Lord hears our prayers for you know, people that we're never going to meet. Right. And when we pray, like we have this incredible opportunity, we're the introducers, right? We connect people who don't know Jesus with the God who loves them. We connect them with his power and with his goodness and with his saving grace. So is there one person in your life right now who doesn't know Jesus? If not, maybe you can join me in praying the one, one, one prayer and asking God to show you someone that you could be praying for. But let's pray that they have a life encounter with Jesus. Like not just, not just, you know, pray that their circumstances change or pray good things for them, but pray that they encounter Jesus. Let's pray for them regularly. Let's pray for him often. Might even want to set an alarm to remind you that I'll be praying at one o'clock today from one to 101. I'd love to have you join me. And if you'd like to, to join Shauna in this kind of pray, prayer, one, 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 Text us. Say, hey, I'm in. I'm going to do that. 800-968-8930. 800-968-8930. So, Lord, we just want to pause right now and pray for those we know who don't know you and people that we don't know on the other side of the sea, perhaps. Lord, we just want to pray the words of Paul from, I think it's 2 Corinthians 3, that, that Lord, you would shine your light in their hearts. Shine your light in their hearts to give them the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, that they would see you, Jesus, for who you really are. Hey, I have wanted to share with with you something that's been on my heart lately. There are just a ton of amazing ministries right here in our area in West Michigan that are doing incredible things for the kingdom of God, representing his heart and changing lives. And I just had this thought, how cool would it be if we started cheering one another on and praying for favor for other ministries in our area? So this is where this came from for me. I I shared a little bit about this last week, but just there's this scarcity mentality and this idea that, you know, if people are going to other people's churches then they're not going to be coming to mine. Or if you're, you know, if you're linking in with so-and-so's ministry, then maybe you're not going to see my content. If you're tuned into Joy 99, man, you're not listening, you're not listening to Moody Radio. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. And I think, what if we were to flip that thing upside down and instead of having a scarcity mentality, which is so not kingdom, we started thinking like the kingdom of God and realized that we're all wearing the same jersey. We're all on the same team. And we just started being for one another. And I thought of one way we could do that through Moody Radio is that we could pray for other ministries that are doing the work of advancing the kingdom of God. Just, Just have an idea. So here's my thought. Let me just back it up a little bit. If you know of a ministry right now in West Michigan that's doing cool things and you want to give them a shout out, text us the name of the ministry. I will personally reach out to this, that ministry and find out what their prayer needs are right now and then bring that to the show. And we can start praying into those ministries and pray for God's favor over different ministries that are happening in our area. Well, I think of people who are doing what we're doing. You know, you mentioned Joy 99 mm-hmm. and now there's Joy Worship. I really enjoy joy worship because it's all worship music and, you know, WCSG. Yeah. You know, they're 
our sister ministries, really, in, in radio and online ministry. And I think Smile FM is in this area. And I think there's a American Family Radio up in Muskegon, if I'm not mistaken. But but yeah, you know, some of these other radio ministries, we're we're not in competition with each other. We are in kingdom work together. That's yeah. how we see it. That's it. So I know that you are connected. You know way more that's going on out there than what I do. You, you, there's ministries that have maybe tugged on your heart and you're excited about what they're doing. Text us and let us know the ministries that you just want to pray for and root for. And we're going to cheer them on. We're going to pray for God's favor and God's blessing over their ministry as they do kingdom work because we're all on the same team. Yep. So just text 800 968 8930. That's 800-968-8930. Text us the name of the ministry. I'll find out what their prayer needs are and we can pray together for God to do just incredible things through that ministry. 800-968-8930. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.